The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Sports Today proudly presents the Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. We're about seven months away from realizing what got left out of this huge college football headline. Chuck Oliver Show on a Wednesday. Hope wherever you are listening, uh, you're having a great existence, whether it is uh, the middle of your day, your late afternoon, your evening, it's podcast, you're listening overnight on the drive home because you work till 2 a.m., I got an email from a guy in, where was he? Mobile. Said he gets off at Walmart at midnight and listens to us on the way home. I was like, rock on, man. So we're on down there in Mobile uh, during the day, obviously. So he listens to us on the uh, the podcast. So yay. When I say we're about seven months away from realizing what got left out. Look ahead seven months. Well, what's that going to be? Well, it's going to be September. Uh, realizing what got left out. Of this huge college football headline. Think about this. Dig, if you will, the picture. Put on your thinking toque. Whether Bill O'Brien or Chip Kelly is calling plays as vastly different in apparent... Well, no, not in appearance. In presentation... Sorry. Presentation, preference, approach, everything. They kind of look like a coach, don't they? A little amiss, a little askew, things akimbo, just staring out at the field with sort of a confused look on the face, holding that play sheet out. They kind of look the same. But in what they try to get done and how they try to do it, they're very different individuals. And I got to tell you, the public perception between Ohio State hiring Bill O'Brien, that's the yodeler. Like he went right to the top and then, I mean, over the edge. Or Chip Kelly. It was morning in Seabus. The vast difference, the Gulf of Mexico difference in perception between Bill O'Brien and Chip Kelly. Whether Bill O'Brien or Chip Kelly's calling plays isn't Will Howard and how he plays far more impactful to Ohio State's results on a Saturday? Like, despite the, oh, really, Bill O'Brien? Well, I guess okay. Or Chip Kelly? Isn't it really a lot, lot more about Will Howard and how he plays? And it could be very well. Now, to this point, it hadn't been. Not overly. He's been tough, and he's been successful, and his team has won, and he's put up plenty good enough numbers. In fact, I dare say he could have won a Heisman in, like, 1972. Will Howard... He lives and breathes and walks around in downtown Columbus in 2024. 
So a half century later, his numbers just don't carry. Now, here's the truth. In the NFL, I've always said this. Numbers are a great indicator of what you did as a college quarterback. We want to know how you got those numbers. Same thing for a transfer in Ryan Day. Now, there's so many layers to this onion. With, he was at Kansas State. They were just they were trying to do different stuff. And his numbers were plenty good enough. A little too many um, interceptions for me, but I just I don't like any interceptions, honestly. Um, and even last year, in what was his fourth year, because he was a COVID kid, last year, 24 touchdowns. Okay, that's a good enough number. I mean, you get to really impactful guys, you're up above that. I don't know, 28, 30, 46. Joe Burrow have 60 touchdowns. I think Joe Burrow might have had 60, 60 touchdowns. Will Howard had 24. Eighth. Um, and that's fine. He had 10 interceptions. Context. 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 He completed 61% of his passes. I'm starting to lose context, but there is context. You know who he wasn't throwing to? Marvin Harrison. So, and he didn't have the Ohio State ground game, which, by the way, the Ohio State State ground game last year, it wasn't what it was supposed to be. There were injuries, and it just didn't, whatever. There were some Saturdays where you looked at it and went, I need more. But besides that, they had studs at running back, and I mean, they had a few of them. And they had NFL players at wide receiver, and they had the offensive line, and their defense, my gosh, they got that thing figured out. Kyle McCord. Like, all of this comes back to how'd Kyle McCord play? Do you know what Penn State did well last year? Everything except produce that quarterback. Drew Aller, the first five or six, whatever it was, and then Michigan came to town, his season changed. Played Ohio State, his season changed. Like, Drew Aller, go look at that kid. What did Penn State do well last year? Everything except him. Now, context? Sure. He's 19, first time he'd ever really played full-time in college. I bet you that kid, he had a string of the worst outcomes on a football field. He's had, like, since sixth grade for him, probably. And you know what he was doing in sixth grade? Probably playing against eighth graders. Will Howard? All kinds of context. He did not have Ohio State's receivers. Ohio State did. He didn't have, I mean, think about this guy. Will Howard, you know, look at the numbers. They weren't that impressive. He didn't have uh, Ohio State's running backs. There's some Saturdays Ohio State didn't have Ohio State's running backs. But by and large, I mean, they're some of the best kids in America you're going to find at that position. And so while Will Howard didn't have him, Kyle McCord did. Will Howard didn't have that NFL offensive line. Kyle McCord did. Will Howard didn't have Ryan Day and Brian Hartline. Kyle McCord did. See where I'm going? Last year, wasn't Kyle McCord's play on a particular Saturday? Way, 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 way more. But boy, and I got a lot of faith in Ryan Day and Hartline, everything they do there. Wasn't Kyle McCord's play a lot more impactful each Saturday? And so what has gotten left out of last week's, oh, my gosh, Chip Kelly, clutch the pearls. What's been left out of that is 
Will Howard, how he plays will be far more impactful to Ohio State than whether Bill O'Brien or Chip Kelly or you're over there. I got to call plays one time in a spring game. I I got to call a play in a spring game. Do you know what I did? I asked the coach, I was like, I want to run the ball over there. Call call one of those plays. So he called a play. And it was this, you know, 14-word whatever. Um, Way more impactful than that. Do you know what would have made the play I called work if Cam Newton was that quarterback? Ask Gus Malzahn at Media Days. What's your favorite play call? And I just do that at media days when a coach or a player sits down. I'm like, call a play. Just call a play for me because we're trying to get levels. And normally I say, hey, get a level. Check one, two, three. Check one, two, three. So I just said, call a play. He said 36. I said, no, no, call the whole play. He said 36. I was like, what play call is that? The one where you snap it to Cam and he does Cam Newton stuff? And he laughed and said, yeah, that's kind of the play. What was it Nick Saban said? Uh, his quote, you're a great, you're the greatest coach ever. Do you, his response was, I'm really good at coaching great players. He says, that's what I am. He says, I'm really good at coaching great players. Whether Bill O'Brien or Chip Kelly has the play sheet, Will Howard way more to do with the final score. Put a circle on September 28th, Ohio State and East Lansing. It should not be a loss. David, amen, um, should not be a loss. It shouldn't be a huge question. Michigan State right now, they have other concerns than beating the Buckeyes. And I think that they're going to be taking steps and it will be immediately recognizable. You're like, all right, that's a buttoned up group and they know what they're doing. And by golly, they'll probably get there. Like, we're going to have a really good impression of Sparty. They're not beating Ohio State this year. It will be an indicator because it like it will be a buttoned up opponent that they're going to look at each other and go, folks, we're not as good as them. Bring it on. That's a fun opponent to watch. That's not a fun opponent to play. So circle, circle the 28th. That's going to be an indicator of where Will Howard is because um, if you look at the schedule before that, I will say it's a little less of an indicator. Um, For instance, tickets to the Michigan State game, as low as $303. Tickets to the Akron game, $54. Next week, at home against Western Michigan, shame on you. What is this? Like the Michigan, Michigan won a national championship like this? By God, we're doing Western Michigan the next week. You can get in for $49 and then Marshall the following week, 54. All right. So uh, somebody from Huntington has bumped the price. I guess the algorithm's there. Um, and then at Michigan State. So I don't know. Marshall went into South Bend and beat Notre Dame. That was kind of a Marcus Freeman issue. Marshall wasn't so great. But so I, you have to line up and play um, Ohio State. This is not David picked up the stone and he slung it. That's that ain't happening. Not with Akron, Western Michigan and Marshall. And I don't even know when it's not worth looking. That reeks of one of those games like in Cincinnati or something. I'll give Ohio State credit. They have bone through before. They have moved to game. They've like opened the season or week two or something with a, like a neutral ish site game. 
they played at the pro stadiums before to kind of spread the love around. They can seat way more and make way more money, and they don't have any travel call. Like, all this stuff, the, the visiting team goes wherever you tell them game is. The home team, they've done that before at Ohio State, so I don't know, and maybe all of those are on campus. Um, but the point is, it's the type of game <laughs> that they would say, we're playing in Cleveland. Um, after Akron, Western Michigan, and Marshall, what do you get? You get an indicator. So Chip Kelly, still just the play caller. I would say, close your eyes. See Carson Beck and Mike Bobo. <laughs> then Will Howard and any play caller ever. Will Howard and Vince Lombardi back from the grave. Uh, yes, Chip Kelly's a boss. No, that doesn't mean he and his play sheet are more impactful than Kyle McCoy. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Will Howard. All the examples that can come to your mind right now of a quarterback getting a play caller, a raise, and a promotion, and a totally new job. And how about this? A career for like the next 20 years. Think of how many times a quarterback has created a career for a play caller. How many times has a play caller fooled everybody about a QB and the QB gets to keep playing even eight, nine, ten years because everybody says, hey, you remember when he played for Urban Meyer? Yeah. No. The quarterback always gets found out. The coach? Sometimes it never happens. Scott Leffler coached Tim Tebow and Tom Brady. Do you know how I know? I'm sorry, Finger coached them. Scott Leffler, do you know how long ago that was? Like, oh, nine and 1999 and 2000, maybe. But Scott Leffler today, he's employed at Bowling Green in part because he coached Tim Tebow and Tom Brady. He's still getting jobs based partly on that. Quarterbacks don't get paid because, hey, you know, you were with that OC. So I bet you, you were with Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. And now I'm 41 and my shoulder doesn't work. Oh, well, okay. So just circle, September 28th, East Lansing. All right, we break. We continue next. the king of college football no matter where you go with a new southern sports today app catch the best college football conversation in the south everywhere with the sst live stream and daily podcast downloaded now at the app store and the google play store now more of the best college football talk in the country it's the chuck oliver show chuck oliver show continues on this wednesday Y'all know the name, Eric Parsegian? My dad would say Parsegian. He did not like him at all. And I grew up, and Eric Parsegian was a commentator, color analyst, the the former coach um, on CBS, I believe. Might have been ABC. But he had been the Notre, among other things, he had been the Notre Dame head coach. And he had been the Notre Dame head coach for what was one of the latest, and this lasted until probably 72, 71. Was that the Nebraska-Oklahoma game of the century? Because in 1966, we got the game of the century. Undefeated number one Notre Dame at number two. Undefeated 
Michigan State. The final score was 10-10. Notre Dame understood it's November 19th. We've only got one game left. It's against USC. We're way better than them. Uh, spoiler alert, Notre Dame wound up beating them the next week 51 to nothing. So this was already thought out. Air Parsegian decided at the end of the game, just let the air out of the ball. It was tied 10-10. Notre Dame had the ball. They're like, yeah, we're not going to try anything. There was no overtime. Let the clock run out. Uh, They had kicked a field goal in the fourth quarter, as a matter of fact. I mean, it could have even gone for it there. Um, But the quarterback on the final play, QB sneak. That was it. They got the ball on their own 30-yard line with a minute 24 left. Needed about 40 yards for a field goal, at least to get in range. And he's like, no, turnover. And so they ran the ball four times. And at that point, the game was over. So it was a pretty poor showing. However, they still got named national champs. Do you know in part why? Because Notre Dame in the 60s, Well, yeah, they beat USC, and that finished out the regular season, and then what happened in the bowl game? In the 60s, Notre Dame did not go to bowl games because Notre Dame did not approve of bowl games. Notre Dame, in 1966, dude is on the sidelines. I'll allege this. He's passed, so, I mean, I don't know. Maybe word gets to his fan. I'll allege this. Eric Parsegan's on the sidelines. He realizes, wait a minute, minute 24 left, 10-10, if we tie, we're going to beat those chumps from USC next week. We're Notre Dame. We're going to be national champs. Since we don't approve of bowls, we don't have to go to one. Everybody else goes to a bowl game, not us, because we're Notre Dame and we don't approve of it. Um, well, they got rewarded. They got to be national champs that year. The reason I bring this up is because the latest example of we're Notre Dame, we're not certain we approve of this, name, image, likeness. Word is out that the 1966 thought bubble, it's still there in 2024. Swarbrook has announced that basically Notre Dame, we're going to take the check. We've decided that we're not so against name image like they've been against all this. (laughs) Women in school, we're against it. College football having bowl games, we're against it. Overtime, we're against it. Names on the back of the jerseys, we're like Notre Dame, they're just against it. And in 1966, I mean, I understood that because it was, let's see, oh, yeah, 1966. But, and they finished 9-0-1. You know what they also didn't believe in? Playing 11 games. They only played 10. I'm not kidding. Like, 11 was a development, like a slow development for, like, wait a minute, 10's enough. 17, perhaps, this year for a school. So, Notre Dame was like, we don't approve of bowl games. We're not going to play in them. So their season was basically over with a tie. They're like, we're going to be national champs. They've decided that after being the last holdout, the only one, we're not certain because we don't approve a name, image, likeness. And if we sign on Notre Dame, this will be the first time that Notre Dame, because what happens with this football game gets sold, EA Sports College Football 25, what happens when that game gets sold? Every kid from any participating school, I think they said it's between $500 and $800. And now it is tied to the school because that's one of the provisions. Remember, you can run out and advertise for Heath Klein Chevrolet. 
you just can't wear your two-lane jersey while you do it. Now, this is going to have Tulane and Mississippi State and Notre Dame. And Notre Dame's like, wait a minute, that's basically us paying the kids. We don't approve. Well, they decided they approve. Heath, what's up? All right, so we got uh, we got a trend, Chuck, that I guess has been talked about a lot. And the idea that guys are going to the NFL, that coaches are, are looking to get out of college football basically any way possible. Brandon Marcello, to his credit, did a little digging on this. For those not familiar, he's the National College Football Reporter for 27 Sports at CBS. So he went through and took a look at the numbers. Last year, where it was perceived as maybe a little less chaotic than this year, 28 guys left FBS football to go to the NFL. You want to take a stab at how many have this year, Chuck? Um, is it a number similar or slightly below? And I would also want to know how many of them are head coaches. Uh, it is, in fact, a number that is somewhere slightly below. Specifically, it is 22. 22 FBS coaches have taken NFL jobs this cycle. Meanwhile, 15 coaches have gone the other way, have gone from the NFL to FBS. He also points out that there are seven coaches who are working in either UFL, CFL-type leagues that also have taken FBS jobs. So if we're talking about brain drain between the colleges and the pros at the moment, we are literally at zero. Same number coming in from pro leagues as have left to go to pro leagues. Now, does that mean there might not be more coaches that would like to go but just didn't get the right opportunity or the money's Guys not with good options. Yeah, that kind yeah. of thing. Sure. But I, I do think it's interesting that the number, at least right now, is not as big as last year. And the idea that there is some sort of massive brain drain going on, at least right now, the numbers do not back that up. And I'd also like to, you know, there's always context to it. And like I said, I'm wondering about, you know, how many of them are head coaches. But at the same time, um, even the head coaches, look at the guys, the examples who have left. Um, and there's a difference. Somebody with options is actually making a choice versus a guy like maybe Sean Elliott or Halfley or even Chip Kelly who realized his options were dwindling. Um, and like sands through the hourglass, these are the days of my coaching life, um, that he decided to get out of town just ahead of that. So there's always a lot of context here, too. Get ready. This week, Staples has deals so good, you're going to want to sit down. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs. With Blue certified, nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. All week all year, it's all college football on Chuck Oliver Show. 
And there are some amazing digital resources. If you're a college football or college sports fan, not a fan of anything, man, go to the internet. You can drill down. I mean, as far as you choose. There's an LSU site that I visit sometimes. If you didn't know that LSU had athletic teams and you started reading this website like three days later, you'd be speaking with a Cajun accent. I mean, it is, it, it's unbelievable what you can find. Well, if you're a Bama fan, you got a choice. And it's a good one. Touchdown Alabama mag. Uh, that is what you got right now. If you're an Alabama fan, TD Alabama mag on Twitter. And it's senior reporters going to join us right now. Stephen M. Smith. Stephen, welcome to the program. How you doing on this Wednesday? Doing great. How are you feeling, Chuck? How are you? Oh, I'm nothing but good, man. I talk college football and it like keeps the lights on and keeps the cabinet full of food. So I'm nothing but blessed. Um, let's talk about tdalabamamag.com um this is again it's a boutique site which is kind of what you need to be in the digital world now um this is a really good website the video the commentary online a lot of that stuff uh just pimp the site for about 15 seconds and then let's get into the stuff i mean we're covering alabama all across the map man recruiting uh the current roster guys in the nfl just if you want to know what Bama's doing right now in the league and recruiting, you go right there. Touchdown, Alabama. That's it, Stephen M. Smith. All right, let's talk about Kalen DeBoer. Uh, multiple staff members added, uh, as well as confirmation, OC, et cetera. Uh, talk about the new tight ends coach. Talk about the offensive line coach, the designation of the OC, et cetera. Just kind of walk us through that offensive side of the ball. Well, first and foremost, just happy that DeBoer was able to get all of this finalized before the first day of spring practice. Uh, so that was huge, spring practice starting up on a Monday, March the 4th. But he got a co-OC deal with uh, with Coach Nick Sheridan and Jamarcus Shepard. Both guys know a bit about offense. Uh, Coach Sheridan was with, uh, was with Indiana, operated that offense from 2019 to 2020 when DeBoer left. Uh, to go to Washington, and of course, Coach Shepard was the passing game coordinator and co-OC at Purdue from 2018 to 2021, so both no offense there. Of course, Sheridan, he'll work with the quarterbacks. He'll call the plays. Shepard will operate the wide receivers. The offensive line coach, Coach uh, Chris Kaplovich, a guy that really did a great job at North Carolina recruiting, had Giovanni Bernard, a 1,000-yard back, but he goes to Michigan State, helped Kenneth Walker the second become a superstar. Of course, put that young man in the league as he's now at the Seahawks. Really did well there coaching offensive lines in North Carolina at Michigan State and pretty much everywhere else he's been. Uh, then Brian Ellis, the tight ends coach, just a young, sharp offensive mind. He's coached a little bit of everywhere offensively, whether it's quarterbacks, uh, calling plays, wide receivers, running backs. Probably tight end is the only position group he hasn't worked with yet, but still very young, very innovative offensive mind coming over from Georgia Southern where he was a quarterback coach in the OC for two years. So kind of a good mixture of coaches that have got experience that Nova South can recruit the South. Talking Tide with Stephen M. Smith from Touchdown Alabama. Fantastic source if you're a Bama fan or a fan of somebody who plays Alabama. Go to the website. It's good stuff there. Um, all right. Uh, pretty good commentary. There were a couple of holdovers he left, one on each side of the ball on the coaching staff. But there's a lot of new faces in Tuscaloosa. Uh, and when Coach Saban announced his retirement, Hugh Freeze, his response was predictable. He went down to Sarah Land of True Love, Ryan Williams, uh, to try to get the only remaining five-star almost in America. Uh, and Kalen DeBoer was able to get the kid to recommit and then, then sign. 
Um, tell me how he was able to do that because that's really impressive for that in, for to, to get that type of in-state kid uh, with Hugh Freeze and the Auburn staff wanting just like one more shot at him. It, it, it was it was huge, Chuck. And, and you got to give DeBoer and this staff a lot of credit. They got Ryan Williams' his whole family on campus for an official visit. They got the whole family. We're talking about the uh, the cousins, the nieces, the nephews. They got everybody on campus, and they showed Ryan, we we want you. You are seriously a priority here. Uh, his good friend Jalen Mbakwe, who he played against in the 6A uh, state championship game, Clay Chalkfield versus Sarah Land. Very good game right there. Clay Chalkfield won that one, 31-28. But Mbakwe mentioned, I'm not letting my friend Ryan Williams get away. I'm going to get this man to Tuscaloosa. And Mbakwe did that. But, of course, uh, Coach DeBoer enlisted the help of Roe Todd Willie. You know, Blitz, Bama Blitz, biggest social media personality out there. You get Roe Todd Willie on campus, and he's able to help, you know, get Ryan Williams as well. So, Kenny DeBoer showing that he's got some social media savvy, if you will. Uh, let's look at the uh, rest of the 24 class, uh, because Julian's saying, obviously he was there and then he's gone and, you know, he's like every other player. He had that, uh, ability and he took it, but let's talk through the remaining part of the quarterback depth chart because, uh, Ty Simpson, it's, it's Jalen's job. That's, that's my view. Ty Simpson, to his credit, says, for now, I'm going to stay and I'm going to keep swinging. Uh, they got a freshman, a redshirt freshman from Washington who says, I love the coach's system. I'm going to go to Tuscaloosa. I'm going to swing. Um, they have a holdover from last year, one of them. Just talk us through this and what are the possibilities, and am I being too casual assigning this to Jalen Milrow? I'm going to say this is going to be a very intriguing quarterback uh, situation here this spring because of the fact that with Kang and DeBoer, there is no ties to loyalty, right? It's if you are the real cream of the crop, show me. This is a, a whole new coaching staff with, with the exception of two holdovers, Robert Gillespie and Freddie Roach. But aside from those two, completely different staff. So if you are the real deal at quarterback that can run this offensive timing, accuracy, precision, you got to show Kang and DeBoer, Nick Sheridan, Jamarcus Shepard, you are that dude. And, yes, Jalen Milrow comes over, comes back with a lot of experience, uh, played a lot last year, grew exponentially last year. But this is a whole different offense that's going to ask for him to be accurate. 10 to 15-yard passes into the boundary either side. That was an aspect that he struggled with from time to time last year. And, Milrow, you can't hold on the ball so long and take unnecessary sacks. Another aspect of his game that he struggled with last year so. This is going to be a huge spring for Milrow. If he can show the improvement in the intermediate passing game and get rid of the ball, making decisions quickly, this will be his job. If he struggles, Ty Simpson can take it. If he struggles, Austin Matt can take it. If he struggles, Dylan Lornigan, a product from Brookwood yep. High School in Georgia, can take it. All right, let's look at safety because, I mean, Caleb Downs, that's a really unusual thing. I mean, to show up and, like, he had a bad moment against Texas. All right, he's forgiven. Um, he's He was an outstanding player. And then they brought in three more studs as freshmen. But Keon Sab coming down from Michigan, uh, what's the idea there? Was it need or just availability of a guy who, who we know can play? I think it's a little bit of both need and availability. And on top of that, you got two people on the current Alabama's uh, roster that know Sab very well. That's Jihad Campbell. Uh, Campbell and Sab played high school football together in the New Jersey area. But, of course, Tyler Bunker from Connecticut, 
he knows Sam will get deal as well. So it was a friendship there with Campbell and, and Booker that helped bring Sam in, but also a need due to the fact that you got a very young defensive secondary. You lost Kool-Aid McKinstry to the draft, Terry on Arnold to the draft, Jalen Key to the draft, and of course, those several guys that chose to pursue the transfer portal. So with the young defensive backfield, you need somebody with experience. There's Keon Sapp. All right, one final question. I'm always intrigued when I see kids listed as athletes, and sometimes it's just common knowledge. No, he's going to be a slot. No, he's going to be um, he's going to be uh, you know a wide receiver or corner or whatever. Um, I look at athlete on the Alabama signing class, and I see a kid listed as athlete, Daniel Hill, six feet tall, 240 pounds. Um, that is not normally when you see a kid listed as athlete. That's not the dimensions. Um, what what is the idea for him? Running back. That's going to be the. He's going to play running back. That that young man is going to be a running back. Soft hands. When you watch the high school tape, he has some of the softest hands for a running back on the recruiting trail. Can catch the ball. Can quickly turn. Get up field. Can catch screens. You can put him out there on the outside or in the slot. He'll go up there and catch the football. He's going to be a running back. Yeah, and the reason I'm asking is because I'd remembered when Derrick Henry showed up, I kept waiting for him. I was like, no, he's Courtney Upshaw. I was like, trust me, they're going to move him to edge. He's going to be Courtney Upshaw. And I had guys like, no, brother, I, I promise you that ain't happening. Um, and so I always ask, I was like, at least there's a chance because I love a guy flying off the edge who can light up a quarterback. Uh, all right, friend, I appreciate you carving out some time. It's a fantastic resource, again, for Alabama fans, TD Alabama Mag. Steven Smith, I appreciate your time. Appreciate you, Chuck. Take care. Yes, sir. Um, so, athlete, there's a profile. Athlete is like 5'10", 175. Is he a slot? Is he a corner? Is he a receiver? Is he what? A, it's not often you'll see listed as athlete and the kid's pushing 240. He's actually listed at 239. So, Daniel Hill is this very large human. Um, for a kid listed as athlete, a very large human. Listed uh, as athlete and now will be a running back. Robert Kim Dietschy was one of those kids that if you look at his high school, I mean, you do what you do on Friday nights. Who's the best kid? We'll put the ball in his hand somehow. I'm surprised Kim Dietschy didn't play quarterback. <clears throat> um, but they let him run the ball. And he averaged like nine yards of carry. <laughs> so it's just kind of what you do. It's like this. Frankenstein just bashing and groaning his way down. Uh, And when they had a fourth down that they really wanted to convert. Hey, Robert, it's fourth and four. I got this coach. You see that it's, it, it happens like in the schoolyard. It happens every single day in fourth grade. And then in high school, it can still happen because, on a fourth down, on a really important whatever, well, you got that kid sometimes. Even in college, it can still be that some. I just talked about, hey, what's uh, 36? He's like, yeah, snap it to Cam, and then he'll go do Cam stuff. I've told you, that's uh, there are Logan Thomas, Virginia Tech. I've talked about this a couple of months ago. It was a Thursday night. They're playing Georgia Tech back in hmm, 2011. Go look at Logan Thomas that night. There were multiple third and fourth. Frank Beamer was like, Dad, just snap it to him, and you just start stepping forward. 
He probably averaged five yards of carry on quarterback sneaks that night. They're not, nope, Logan Thomas, he's bigger than everybody else, so we're just going to turn this into Friday night. And So you can do that even in college. In the NFL, I had mentioned Cam Newton. Cam Newton did that for a little while. And then Cam Newton, at about age 30 or so, started, he walked like Grady on Sanford and Son. Like, he looked like this beat-up old man. You see, like Steve Young, look at Steve Young when he was young. He glide around the field. Steve Young later in his career, he walked hunched over. He like onto the NFL. Like he just wasn't the same guy anymore. Why? Because he ran. You know what he stopped doing? Running. Donovan McNabb. Mike, you know what? Nobody ever really talks about Donovan McNabb. Donovan McNabb was huge, big, giant, strong, physical guy. Great quarterback. You know what he decided after about? Go look at his numbers. Donovan McNabb's in this big group with a lot of other guys. After about five years, they looked around and was like, I'm not, heck with this. I'm not running anymore. It's just not a great way to make a living, man, as a quarterback to survive to whatever. Um, so when that's part of your game, um, to be that size, it can still be that way in the NFL. Sometimes for a very few guys for a short amount of time. Um, and that's just not that's just not a sustainable thing. In college, yeah, that can still happen. Friday nights, it's supposed to happen. In fact, if it's not happening on Friday, it better be because you just don't have that guy. If you have that guy on a Friday night, He's playing quarterback, and we're running the wing tee. <laughs> that is, or the veer. We're doing something. He's getting the ball every – I told Eric Berry. I was like, who's this kid? Well, he doesn't come off the field ever. Quarterback, safety, punter, place kicker, returner. Why? Because it was Eric Berry. Eric Berry, like, he was playing against high school kids. Do you know what he was doing, like, two months later? Spring practice in the SEC, and he was the best player on the team. Ever so often, that kid comes through your local high school ever so often, or he's on the other team. And you see him, and you're like, all right, he's just better. Well, if you can have that in college some, when you can have that in college, it's a Calvin Johnson thing. It's I'm going to physically overwhelm you. Um, It's a a Leonard Fournette thing at times. Um, Darren McFadden, I'm going to physically overwhelm you. Uh, it's rare in a conference like the SEC, but um, you still see it ever so often. All right, uh, we break. We continue next. Now back to Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. I think we lost 22 players at Georgia State uh, to Power Five programs over the last two years, or the last three years, and and that's a that's a huge amount. They were all really really good football players, but uh, that that had no no effect on me wanting to come back to the University of South Carolina or take this job. But trust me, I, it had nothing to do with it. I do bring it up, and I have the numbers tipping my tongue. But I want to talk about the real reasons, please. Chuck Oliver show on this Wednesday. That's Sean Elliott, and he left Georgia State. And this was what last Thursday, I think, last Wednesday or Thursday. And that was after three spring practices for the Panthers. And he decided he'd rather be an assistant coach 
making I it was about eight hundred grand at Georgia State. It's about half that, I think. About half that, a little more, maybe at South Carolina, but it's quality of life, it's location of family. All kinds of things that are real. Pre name image likeness, he ain't leaving. That's my opinion. Um, not the head coach. We just we saw the head coach leave Central Michigan to go be a coordinator in the SEC, not coach tight ends. So that's just that's just a big difference. Um big big red mark right there. South Carolina's schedule if you look at it. They play Kentucky and LSU in back to back weeks two and three. That's not the hard part. Um they finish with a three game run, Missouri, Wofford, and at Clemson. That's not the 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 stretch. The stretch is in fourteen days they play Ole Miss at Bama, at Oklahoma. Three Saturdays in October, the 5th, 12th, and 19th, home versus the Rebels. Ole Miss is way, way better than South Carolina. Now, you go on the road in the conference, anything can happen. Watch the Jevin Sneed team roll in there, like as a top three team maybe in, oh gosh, I'm going to say this was 2010. Um, and they got whooped on a Thursday night and kind of good. Um, so, But whatever, you go on the road. What's the chance Jackson Dart's the best quarterback in the conference this year? That that could be a real thing, folks. More about that I've been kind of percolating with. Um, and there's actually even a scarier scenario for everybody in the conference who's not an Ole Miss fan than Jackson Dart being the best QB. Get back to it. But um, th- that's, a, that's a really strong opponent. And they're going on the road, and so we'll see what happens. But they're way better. And then at Bama and at Oklahoma, and then Texas A&M. Okay, see that's your stretch. Kentucky and LSU back to back. That's the lounge act. Missouri and Clemson. Uh, that's the dessert. Ole Miss at Bama at Oklahoma back home for Texas A&M. Like, what about that? Sounds easy. And that's the middle stretch, man. So. That's what Shane Beamer is looking to overcome, and he got better. He lost to one of his coaches, and I think he got better. So good for him. He reacted to it, uh, but it was um, it was certainly Sean Elliott's doing. What's up, Heath? So this is how much things have changed, Chuck. I was reading a story, and the story is from Ross Dellinger of Yahoo, and it's talking about the challenges that the group of five have in retaining their players. And we got just an example of this. Uh, earlier from a school that technically is no longer group of five. But yesterday the word came down that SMU is losing Marcus Bryant to the portal. For those not familiar, Bryant, 6'8", 315-pounder, starter for SMU at tackle the last three years, only allowed one sack last year. Uh, I would tend to suspect, Chuck, he will do rather well for himself as a guy with that kind of experience and size in the transfer portal as a grad transfer. We'll see. Does he know where he's going already, or does he does he see what opportunities are available? But anyway, reading this story, and just casually in here, you have Jamie Chadwell with the following quote, talking about the kids that he had lost, including uh, particularly C.J. Daniels to LSU. Quote, those guys would be all conference for us. LSU paid for a car and an apartment in like $300,000. What do you do? Chuck, 10 years ago, if Jamie Chadwell or anybody said LSU paid for a car and apartment and $300,000, it would be the first story on ESPN Sports Center. 
It would lead the chat shows unless there was something where LeBron passed gas or whatever. It would be treated like an epic attack on the LSU program, a scandal of huge proportions. I think it's in like paragraph 55 in this article. It's nothing. It's just, oh, yeah, yeah LSU paid 300 grand and an apartment, a car. What are you going to do, right? It's it was. Just, it's just it, so hard to wrap your head around that that this is the new normal. Well, finally, coaches have caught up to it. Everyone has caught up to it. Um, Jimbo and Nick were still arguing about this a year into it being allowed. You bought players. No, he didn't. Now, you know what programs want you to know? You know what LSU hopes your number one takeaway from the money game is, that documentary coming, is that LSU can buy players. They want you to know that more than anything. Yeah, even in this piece, there's a thing from a, what they say is a Power 5 collective director uh, telling Yahoo that they often will throw in an extra 50 or 60 grand to cover tuition, books, and fees for a walk-on. A walk-on. Oh, BYU came up with that hustle of all folks. You didn't see that? Yeah, BYU, they got the belt on this one. They said, how about if we started funding extra scholarships so our coach gets like 100 players that are worthy of a scholarship, not just 85? Oh, yeah, BYU, they started funding multiple scholarships of guys who are good enough to get one so that their coach can have extra depth. It's a wonderful angle. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford. We are Atlanta's Ford dealer. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. (sighs) Or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at CampMargaritavilleLanierIslands.com. 